This is Pill Eater. Today is July 9th, 2022. I'm here with co-host Cartrell Payne, and we are talking to Dark Lady, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, okay. Cartrell, uh, you introduced me to her, so why, why don't you lead on this? Yeah, well, what made you want to get into, like, the, I guess you could say the, the sex industry, like, were you influenced by something or did you have like a repressive childhood or? <laughs> Who didn't? Um, well, there are a lot of answers to that question because there's a lot of layers to what I do. Um, <clears throat> on the practical end, I'd wanted to be a writer and I was briefly married to someone who brought home a copy of a tabloid called the TNA Times which he said stood for travel and entertainment. And uh, the, my uh, husband at the time said, you said you want to be a writer, give these folks a call. So I called him and became their proofreader. And then that evolved into becoming a columnist and reviewing videos and uh, Eventually, I was hired by the opposing team, which was Exotic Magazine, uh, which was a much nicer publication and had a glossy cover. And we had a lot of creativity going on, which was lovely. Um, but as a young person, I wanted, or as an older person who had been a younger person, I wanted to do something that helped create a a safer world uh, on the sexual uh, plane for, for young people, especially, because that really hadn't been my history. So I didn't want people finding out about sex on the street or you know, through some unsavory manner. Wow, I mean, it's interesting, you know, like, also, also know that Aren't you involved in a squinger lifestyle or something? With what? Oh, I thought I said, are you involved in a squinger lifestyle? I'm not really a swinger, um, but I do identify as polyamorous, which is another form of ethical consensual non-monogamy. I have two nesting partners that I live with, and. Um, we, everyone has the right to expand beyond that if they meet someone that's compatible and try to keep communication open and go from there. I just, it spoke to me as a, a way to construct a relationship, I guess, because I see each one as unique and each person I meet, I line up with in a different way. And it's not a competition between one or the other as to who's you know, the best at something. So, you know, you meet people, you like them and you've got time with them, for them or you don't and you figure out how much time you can spend with them and what you can do while you're spending that time with them. And, you can learn a lot about negotiating and Google Calendar. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I was going to ask, how come you think that, well, it feels like to me, like it's much easier in our society, you know, with our, I guess you could say traditional patriarchal structure or whatever, that it's much easier for women to get sex than it is for men. But also paradoxically, you know, you know, if a woman has more sex than a man, she's viewed as a slut. It's just to me, you know, as <laughs> a rational person, I mean, well, that's just stupid. Yeah. That system, I mean, it's just dumb. Why can't a girl approach a dude, you know, and, you know, if she has more sex, why is she considered a slut? Like, they, none of them ever made any sense to me. Like, Because dudes are jealous. You know, the difference between a bitch and a slut, right? Um, I'm not sure. Tell me. Uh, a bitch a slut is someone who'll sleep with anything if anyone and a bitch is someone who'll sleep with anyone but you yeah that's funny so this is my my curious question mm -hmm. so have you worked in the adult industry for most of your time or am i getting uh, it wrong i started writing in the adult industry in about 1990 i want to say three or four i'm not really sure i was in a major car accident in 1991 and i didn't work for a year or two because uh, i needed to learn how to walk again and then i went back to being a clerical temp which was pretty awful um so yeah it was sometime in the 90s though and i've stayed with it consistently um i also worked for egghead.com for a while and that was a fairly miserable experience i was really glad to be able to go into adult full time after that and that was pretty much my last corporate gig but it's more on now you're just continuing blogging or publishing correct I review adult videos and right now it's scenes for fleshbot.com and I'm primarily reviewing gay male male uh, scenes though the occasional straight scene. I do a weekly blog for them and I run Catalyst, a sex positive place in Portland, Oregon and I also write uh, fiction and I'll write pretty much anything. I'm a writing slut or a whore because I like to be paid for my writing. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I know you published your book, like you talked about your dysfunctional family, you know, like your mom, I don't know if she was like a religious zealot or what, your dad was also kind of eccentric. Yes, yes. My father believed that space aliens made us, and my mother is Irish Catholic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Catholics, they have like this weird thing about sex, man. Like, you can have as many children as you want, but you better not enjoy it. That's right. Or if you do enjoy it, that's the only time you can enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so did you come from a big family? Because you know, Irish Catholics, they have like a whole bunch of kids. Well, you'd think that, but um, that's not what happened. We had, we had uh, three kids. I was the, I'm the eldest. Then there was my brother who passed away when he was 30. 
and my sister who is uh, special needs. And my father wanted to get a vasectomy before my sister came around, but uh, my mom backed out of that and uh, forever changed the projectile <laughs> angle of our family. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up pretty sex negative and anti-abortion and anti kind of everything pro-flag and um, very patriotic because dad had been in the military for 30 years. So I joke that I was raised by the church and the state. Yeah, that's messed up. I mean, hey, do you have any advice for, you know, a guy like me, like, um, Asperger's, ADHD, and bipolar, like, how do I appeal to women? How do you as a person with ADHD and bipolar appeal to women? Also, I'm Asperger's too. Like, you might not notice, but yeah. Um, well, I, I hear that because I we have a lot of guests who are dealing with ADHD or being um, various places on the spectrum. And, you know, it's a challenge to how do you make conversation with people and how do you feel comfortable around them? How do you make them feel comfortable around you? Uh, and I think for me, if you can get that in-person experience, mm -hmm. listening is a great uh, a great way to make people feel comfortable and heard, literally. So if you're able to get people talking about themselves, they like that. Um, uh, sharing your Adderall, that's always popular. Um, uh, that's a joke. It's a joke. But uh, it, it, you there? Our trail always does this, so he has to usually get up and. Uh... It's okay. I'm waiting for the dogs to bark. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's good <laughs> advice. Oh, I also wanted to ask, like, what do you think about the recent Roe versus Wade? You know, like ruling. I mean, it probably won't take effect, like in most places, but it's still messed up. Oh, it's it's outrageous, and I've reached a point in my life where I really don't give a shit what the Constitution has to say about anything. Because I think a lot of it needs to be reworked. I mean, whether we like to admit it or not, the founding forefathers were largely slave-owning, uh, patriarchal white men who, you know, had their own way of viewing the world, and uh, they never thought of half of what we're doing. So to say, oh well, we you can't have abortion because you know, Thomas Jefferson hadn't thought of it or didn't approve or whatever is, is ridiculous because they didn't approve of a lot of things that we uh, consider to be fundamental rights now. But that's my concern is we're going to start eroding those because you can't find something that says, oh, yeah, well, you know, you do have this right. Uh, I, I'm concerned about same-sex marriage. Obviously, they're talking about same-sex um, re relations of any sort, just, you know, anti-sodomy laws and this outrageous concept that they would criminalize 
contraception, which was what I was afraid of was where we were headed. And um, I was told I was being ridiculous by someone from, um, oh, some far right um, website that I can't remember the name of. But. I mean, yeah, you know, like Clarence Thomas, you know, like, I don't understand how he could be so far right. It's like, I mean, he used to be like a black nationalist when he was younger. So either he found out that he could make more money by selling out, or maybe he got brainwashed. Was he like know. that when he met his wife, or is that something that's developed since then? I'm not sure. I mean, personally, I think he just decided that by selling out that he could make more money. It's probably what he'd have figured. Could be. Yeah, I don't even pretend to know the mind of Clarence Thomas. I know that I was opposed to him when he was first, you know, proposed. I, I believed Anita Hill. Um, just what is it about pornography in general that makes it a unique art form compared to other things that you have experienced and your deep interest in the act? Well, um, I'm less interested in porn for its prurient value, though, you know, it certainly has that. Um, and I'm really interested in the psychology behind it, the sociology involved in it, the people that are doing it. I, I just find that really, really interesting. And it, it extends to the work at Catalyst because I get to deal one-on-one -on -one with real everyday people, not folks who are doing things in front of a camera. And I get to hear their stories and I get to see them experiment and kind of enjoy some of that excitement uh, in a secondhand smoke kind of way. But I found the honesty uh, really refreshing. Um, that's not to say there aren't, you know, repressed, conventional, um, abusive, unpleasant people in different areas of the industry, but they're everywhere. They're in academia, they're in IT, I mean, look, we got Elon Musk, right? So there's just so much more I think I can do within this realm as a writer, especially, than I can anywhere else. And when we do uh, uh, actually address sex in the writing, it's such a visceral topic. I, you know, you know it's going to affect somebody on some level, and a lot of writing just blows past people and they don't remember it later so i i want to write about something that actually affects and influence folks and sex seems to be one of those things i mean yeah I mean, it is interesting you know like oh yeah well, and it's, it's related to relationships too. So a lot of people separate sex from relationships and you, you certainly can, you can have sex recreationally and plenty of people do, um, but that creates a relationship too. You have some sort of relationship to the person you're intimately involved with for, you know, the three to 30 minutes that you end up spending with them. Um, 
just how you construct your sexuality or how you find that it uh, develops, those affect your relationships. So they're intimately involved. They're, they're not, uh, you know, people talk about porn just being body parts. And it's like, if, it, if it's just body parts, it's because that's all you're seeing. What is what you would say would be the fake aspects of pornography or the big misconceptions, what people, most people think about porn, but what really happens behind the camera? Well, you know, there's, there are a lot of things. Things are getting better for one thing. Um, and that is not a misconception. I think that as more women and people of color start taking control of their own content, they become less liable to hook up with people who will take advantage of them. The, the cam culture, I think, has been really good for performers. You can do it at home. You can do it on whatever time works for you. And it provides a much more personal experience for both the visitor and the performer alike. I, the whole idea that it's full of women, especially who have been sex trafficked, is really an annoying myth that we wish would be retired permanently, but it raises a lot of money for people. Um, I, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, the, in the industry, you know, like, there were some scandals back in the day, you know, like Alexandra Quinn and, you know, like, uh, Tracy Lords. Yeah. Oh, there's there have unquestionably been genuine scandals, though. Uh, you know, with Tracy Lords, she faked all her paperwork and. Um, what's that? Uh, oh, nothing. I was just listening to you. Oh. Um, I mean, there have I've heard of some some pretty miserable abuses that people have endured within the industry, especially in the late 90s, very early 2000s, there were just some people who had come in out of, oddly enough, mainstream or money, and they didn't have a lot of respect for women especially, and they just started throwing money at these young girls who didn't yet know what they, didn't know what their limits were. So they found them out real quick uh, and some of them left and some of them stuck around and raised a little money and went and hopefully had good mainstream lives. It seems like mo there's now a generation of porn actresses from let's say 90 to 2000s in the last 20, 30 years who are either retired or some of them are still holding on to the industry. Would you say that it's an even even stat or there's more people who still work in the industry even in their 50s to 60s now? Oh, I think most folks have retired by then. Um, but you know, you've got your Nina Hartleys and you've got your, uh, oh, who is working these days? I've been watching gay porn so long. I don't remember who's, who's straight anymore or even by um, Sexy Vanessa in, oh, yeah, in her. her 60s. Yeah, I got to interview her. Um, 
a couple of weeks back, I had an interview with her. Yeah, she is a, a colorful person. Yeah, oh man, she's got a background. Yeah, so you, about the gay porn thing, like, uh -huh. um, how does that interest you as a, a, a polyamorous woman? Uh, well, I don't know that the polyamory enters into it so much as the fact I like guys, which may be a sign of mental distress on my part, but it's true. Um, so when I watch gay porn, I get two or three times as much of what I, I like. And uh, I think that men have more um, unrestrained uninhibited sex with each other than they do with women and that's that's kind of enjoyable to watch i wonder if it's like the same thing you know with like some straight guys who watch like you know lesbian porn i accept so much lesbian porn is not lesbians so i don't know i mean maybe they don't really want to see lesbians have sex I maybe mean, they just want to see straight girls pretend to have sex with each other but that's changed i mean that there now are a lot more female performers who work together because they want to, they like girls, they like each other. I think that's a real step in the right direction. I mean, yeah. You know, is like, yeah, I mean, you I'm know, like, Brie Daniels is a, a, a bisexual porn star, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else. Who else? Um, well, she's not active anymore, but Gina Fine was bisexual. Mm hmm Yeah, boy, there was a real bisexual niche for a little while in the late 90s, and it just kind of dried up. It mostly became, you know, these kind of cheap Czech and cheap uh, Brazilian uh compilations and they were you know good but they weren't great yeah it seems like bisexuals really don't have like a a lot of porn movies that they can watch you know it's either gay or straight there's not really a right. bisexual market yeah not as much so would you say that there's much more passion in gay pornography than in straight porn far more like, what are some of the more details or examples in that, in the history of it? Well, I think part of it is the, the whole physiology of having sex in front of the camera and the psychology of having sex in front of a camera is different for most cis women than it is for most cis men. Um, and I've heard that some female performers feel that they they have a harder time having a genuine orgasm in front of the camera or it's something they kind of want to save for for special so we don't necessarily see the real thing whereas when i'm seeing a couple guys together i'm much more likely to be seeing a genuine orgasm i mean though, yeah the ejaculation does not necessarily equal orgasm yeah, you know, it's a lot harder for women to like orgasm than it is for men. Takes more work. And since nine tenths of most uh, straight porn is spent sucking cock, that's not a lot of attention to getting the woman off.
I mean, yeah, but you know, porn mostly appeals to straight guys anyway. I mean, let's keep well, that's it. what I've heard. Um, that's what they tell me. Um, that's what a lot of women have heard. <laughs> I think that probably regardless of societal influences, straight men would be the most likely to be interested in um, heavily explicitly erotic imagery. But I think that if we weren't you know, told from childhood that, that girls aren't interested in that sort of thing, that we'd see more women ex openly express an interest in it. It's, you know, it's, it's a generational thing. And I think that we'll see much healthier sexuality, hopefully in generations behind us, if we can pattern it so that they can grow up with it. I mean, yeah, you, you know, female sexuality is different. Like I almost read this, this, this statistic, I'm not sure how true it was, but it said like more men masturbate than women. I'm not sure if that's due more to men. I think more men admit to masturbating than women. And I think that um, how we define masturbation is important. So yeah, it's, we're, we're just starting to investigate this whole sex thing. Yeah, and you know, of course, you know, it's easier for a guy to get off masturbating. Like, I mean, it really doesn't take much for us to like get a hard on. We just watch a girl on TV and it's on like that. Uh, it's true, though, girls can have little accidental mini orgasms too. You never know when you're gene seam is going to line up just right or you know you're going to be on a motorcycle that vibrates at the right speed and rhythm and so you know we have or the washing machine is <laughs> like i've heard uh, that requires jumping up on top of something it, that that's frightening what are um some of the strangest people or situations you encountered in your blogging career within the adult industry? Um, some of the strangest people were probably the folks I met through Fetish Magazine and um, like Fakir Musafar, I met through friends. Uh, he uh, is kind of the grandfather of the modern primitive movement. And I met some of his uh, followers, Joey Strange, um, I remember when he hung from hooks during an AVN awards dinner that was, um, it really separated the men from the boys, if you will, because uh, that was hard for some people to look at while they were eating. Wow. Wait, wait, what happened? Um, he was doing a, a hook suspension from a, like a frame with, a whole bunches of hooks in his back so that he would hang up. Ouch. Yeah, I, that's yeah. kind of painful. Yeah, I know a lot of people that do that kind of stuff. So. I mean, wow. Oh, so would you ever shoot content, you know, like on OnlyFans or for a studio? I would consider it. I, I did something for Pain Toy. Um, about a million years ago, uh, I was a top in an SM scene, 
and uh, I've been an extra on a uh, Wicked set, but that was a long time ago as well. So I, I have no objection to it. I just don't know if there's that much call for a dark lady only fans. Yeah, you know, OnlyFans, you know, they've been doing good work, you know, and you know, I wouldn't, I didn't, I wouldn't expect it to be so successful because we're living in the age where there's like free porn everywhere. So the mm -hmm. fact that OnlyFans is doing so well is like amazing to me. Well, I think it's the interpersonal connection The, you know, you're not just looking at an image, you can, you can expand your contact with whoever you're following people want some sort of connection especially with covid in the last couple of years i think it was perfectly timed for a, a surge in that area of the industry are there only fans models that like actually uh get with their people that they said because the, the myth or what's always has been is that they're looking for connections I was always curious whether if there's only fans who basically meet up with their actual fans and then maybe they would have intimate relationships and actually go with it than say the quote unquote simp myth. Well, I think they call those bordellos in yeah, and I, legal and I know in, in Nevada, but not many other places. Yeah, and I know some only fans people like they escort, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I'm sad to say that that enters into prostitution territory, potentially. It's not a for sure thing, but every, you know, depends on situation. I'm sure it gets dicey. And then do you necessarily wanna get involved with a fan? Is that gonna be creepy and weird? Um, or, or there would actually be a story between the fan and the model, but I don't know, it seems like there is this paradigm that the criticism against OnlyFans is that they're just a bunch of lonely men spending money on a thing they can never have. But the uh, irony lots there. Lots of strip is... clubs. Mm. I mean, that's kind of yeah. And so, if you want to dismiss porn in general or sexual content in general, you could, you know, condense it down to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, some strip clubs are kind of illegitimate, like they do stuff, you know, in the back of you kind of could have sex right. with the girl. The VIP rooms. Yeah. You know, a lot of strip clubs have been busted doing that, you know, like kind of like a gray area of the law. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see it, uh, frankly, legalized, and I'd like to see the um sex workers more in charge of what they can offer and what they charge but we are not there yet or like yeah. to see it decriminalized excuse me we don't want to necessarily see it legalized we want to see it decriminalized i mean like yeah because you know to use a, an example of a tv show the sopranos like tony and his gang usually treat it like the sex workers at the bottom being like crap yeah well, they just had a case uh, I read here in Oregon, uh, in Coos Bay, a young woman who was going to a community college to become a nurse was really mistreated. And it's because she'd done some porn earlier in her, in her life. 
and I don't know who you're talking about, but yeah. They just um, determined a $1.7 million settlement in her favor. And I would love to see more of that because I'm really sick of the mainstream telling people to, to get out of adult and then refusing to give folks options so that they can do that. Yeah, I mean, like it's hard being a porn star. Like there's a reason that a lot of porn stars, they use like fake names or yeah, it's kind of hard to get into contact with them because, you know, the porn attracts like a certain type of creepy person, unfortunately. And also, well, you, got, you got some people who like to judge as well. Yeah. So, well, any, any performer is going to have some sort of creepy stalkery element. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a porn star to be using a fake name because you don't want people to find out where you live. But there is that added element because people, I think, feel an element of intimacy that doesn't really exist because you you know you may have gotten off looking at me but i don't know who the hell you are <laughs> it's a little different with the only fan stuff but even then you know i'm on this side of the glass we're almost at the end of the show um, Dark Lady, is there anything uh, you'd like to add on or future projects that you're working on? Well, I'd like to encourage people to visit the CatalystSexPositive.com website and check out what we've got going on. I have a website, uh, I have a domain, DarkLady.com, but it is currently uh, unoccupied with content. Uh, I'd like folks to look for me on Fleshbot. The more times you click on that article, the more times people think you're reading it and they um, will love you for it. I will love you for it. Cartrell, is there any last questions? Um, no, I think that's it. Like, I think we did a good job, overview. All right. Uh, Thank you, Cartrell, and uh, thank you, Dark Lady. Sure, thank you. It was a very pleasant experience being on your show. This program is brought to you by pilleter.substack.com and as well as youtube.com slash pilleter and all pilleter associates.